Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Welcome to Over Underrated, a new music podcast for you to love or hate. Fingers crossed it's the former. I'm Babs, and on this podcast, I will be in conversation with my co-host Fran. We wanted to create a podcast for music nerds by music nerds. Fran and I live in different countries, so the episodes are recorded over Zoom. And when we recorded the second episode, we still didn't have the proper mics that we have now. So please bear with us. We promise that the sound quality gets better. Thanks for listening. Over underrated. Sopra sottovalutato. Sous évalué. Over underrated. Sous évalué. Well, welcome to Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. This is a podcast for music lovers, people with strong opinions who want to talk about bands that have got a bit too much fame and those that we think deserve a little bit more coverage out there. And today we are doing Athens' finest, REM as the overrated and underrated, the B-52s. Absolutely. So Fran has made a playlist with 10 REM songs to try and convince me that they're good. And I have bombasted, uh, bombasted, bombarded Fran with uh, 10 B-52 songs to try and convince him that... They're more than just a novelty band. And are we starting with REM or B-52s? I think as REM are overrated, uh, maybe we, we should start with the big guns. Overrated. So what's okay. your relationship with REM, Fran? Well, I think like a lot of people of my age, my first REM memory was probably shiny, happy people. Which does, does have both bands we're talking about in the video. Absolutely. Um, and was famously left off their greatest hits, right? Yeah, REM hate it, apparently. Yeah. I don't hate it or maybe just bore them tired of it. I guess it is there, like, in the same way as B-52s, we're probably going to get to Love Shack. It's their Love Shack. It's their, like, novelty, wedding, dance type hit. It doesn't mm-hmm. really match most of their catalogue at all. But I, I really like that is an REM song that I like more than a lot of their others, I have to say. So, yeah, it's a real shame that they didn't include it. For me, REM are one of those bands that I actually want to like. You know, I have spoken previously about Oasis. If you really want me to see me hate on someone, go there and please don't send me death threats. You know, Michael Stipe seems like an amazing guy, you know, an openly gay frontman back in the 80s and 90s when uh, when it wasn't so easy. I really, I really admire him and I admire the band, but I think broadly they're a bit too poppy for me. For some reason, I'm, I'm a big pop fan. I'm an unashamed pop fan these days, but when it's poppy rock, I find it very difficult to get my head around and there's just a lot of poppy REM songs. And on the list that you sent me, Fran, it's a bit more varied. You know, there's like a country song and a more kind of post-punky song. But, and I enjoyed seeing that variety of them. But there's, there's a lot that I just, yeah, it's a bit too saccharine. It's a bit too, you know, no, not shiny, happy people, but a bit too shiny for me. It's interesting because, I mean, to, to a lot of people, R.E.M. are the quintessential indie band. Because obviously mm-hmm. they started out very, very lo-fi with Michael Stipe being so shy, people couldn't even hear the lyrics. 
because he didn't have any confidence and for a long time people had no idea what he was singing about until later on and obviously when they sort of like grew through the 80s and gained popularity um as the band become more, became more confident so did his voice and obviously by the 90s he was you know everyone could understand his lyrics but yeah they are i think they are a band who very much um like the cure mm-hmm. and have two pop bangers for mainstream radio and then the rest of the album being not commercial in the slightest. Yeah, and, and, and if you look at their big hits, like that album-wise, uh, Automatic for the People, for example, and is it In Time, I should probably know the name of the album. <laughs> <laughs> out of time, out of time. Apart from like the two big singles, everything else is just an experiment. Like, and out of time, they've got um, the guy from Tribe Called Quest rapping on it. They've got, yeah, they've got, Q- they've got B-52s. Like, they literally would just try anything and for like an indie band in, in the early nineties, that was kind of quite radical. But uh, yeah, uh, if you want, if you want really um, non-pop REM, then you should listen to um, Adventures in Hi-Fi. Mm-hmm. But that is that is not a pop album whatsoever. <laughs> it's got like Pat Smith on it. It's got uh, yeah, it's it's a, quite a dark album. There's no singles, but game a hit on it whatsoever. Okay. And, that, and that was after they were like one of the biggest bands in the world. I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of it, but like the true REM fans adore it in the same way that Manatee Pizza fans always have to love the Holy Bible. Holy Bible. Hardcore, yeah. hardcore, hardcore REM fans always say, yeah, it's Adventures in High Five, the best album, man. So on the playlist, you started with rate. So the, the playlist you gave me is in chronological order, right? The yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's my, it's, I, I thought it's, it's songs from the start to the end. It's a thought may not be as much on your radar. Yeah. So I think I knew two of the songs on the playlist and that was it. But the first one is Radio Free Europe. And I honestly would not have guessed it was R.E.M. when I first heard it. It doesn't even sound like Michael Stipe singing. So I was I was surprised. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. But it, it didn't really kind of blow my mind. But um, I was pleasantly surprised to see kind of a, a different direction from, from R.E.M. at the beginning. But yeah, I mean, Radio Free Europe was their like their first new wave hit, and then I've got I've got talk about the passion. That's quite you know. Yeah, that was a bit too poppy. I I put that, that it was. Pop- a bit... Is that poppy? Yeah, I put standard REM fan, not a fan too poppy. <laughs> uh, but I did enjoy the mix of French and English because he he sings a bit in French. Is he really? And... I, I've never. Met... And then you got don't go back to Rockville. It's a country hit randomly. Yes. So that was what the fuck was that? I was really <laughs> surprised. And I read that it was actually originally performed in a punk thrash style. And I was like, this in a punk thrash style, I would have really liked to hear. But in in a country style with lyrics like smack crack shakalak, I was like, what what is going on? <laughs> okay, what's the thing to Kenneth? What's you you probably know that song, yeah. Yeah, so so I know that song and it's again fine. I it, most that's mostly how I feel about REM, but I actually didn't know the story behind it. He so Michael Stipe says that the lyrics are about the Generation X phenomenon in contemporary mass media, sung in character as an older critic whose information consists exclusively of media products. Quote: The song's title refers to an incident in New York City in 1986 when two then unknown assailants attacked journalist Dan Rather while repeating Kenneth, what is the frequency? So. Dan Rather was like a, a news anchor sort of thing. So he wasn't any anything, I think, to do with music. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it, it then became kind of a thing in, in, in pop culture, right, that people quoted. So that was, that was very interesting. And, and Stipe said that he wrote it 
as a, a the protagonist is a guy who's trying to understand what motivates the younger generation so it feels very yeah like 90s slacker he got nowhere song um and yeah i guess I, because i wasn't really into the song i hadn't really paid attention to the lyrics or the background and i thought that was quite interesting see i think i, I put it on because because it's a bit more i thought not punky, it's a bit more, you know, like rocky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess not. Yeah, I think you're under, you're quickly understanding that. Yeah, if it's a bit too poppy, if it's if it's rock and it's a bit too poppy, it's it's not it's not for me. Because <laughs> um, that album that that's from that I think that's the lead single from Munster, which was mm-hmm. the album after the Behemoth or for the People, and to me, because I I was what my my early teens when that came out, I was like oh. Oh, this is a this is a bit dangerous because like because I had I had only heard heard things like trying to have your people you know um, everybody hurts night swimming which are all kind of melodic and not at all like rock walkers there's no, there's no like feedback and distortion uh-huh. when monster came out which I seen was probably influenced by grunge a bit uh-huh. it's got quite a few like heavier riffs on it I was like oh goodness. This is this isn't what I'm, they can I, do it all. <laughs> but I, so I I think that when I was like you know when I was younger I, I basically skipped that album because I thought oh no it's too hard for me and then I got back into him like probably in that 1998 after they lost the drummer. Um, but I I think so with with you put strange currency that uh, strange currencies and you put at my most beautiful the lyrics annoyed me so much I think <laughs> as well. I don't, what are the lyrics? I never I don't think I've ever listened to. Them. So the lyrics that I've put, like, so for Strange Currencies, I've written, whoever type is singing about is a fuckwit because he says, I don't know why you're mean to me when I call on the telephone and I don't know what you mean to me, but I want to turn you on, turn you up, figure you out. I want to take you on. At My Most Beautiful, he, he sings, I count your eyelashes secretly. With every one, I whisper, I love you. <laughs> We've all done Just... that. Come on, when haven't you done that? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I, every, every man I've been with, I count like eyelashes. You know, that's, that's a given. And I mean, they I look don't... at me strangely, but... I'm not sure when he came out being gay. I'm pretty sure he was, he was quite ambivalent through his sexuality for a long time. Ah, so he wasn't out in the 80s? No, I don't. No, not at all in the 80s. Ah, um... uh, Okay. I'm trying to look now, see, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I yeah, I think he was one of those people who would always avoid that question. Mm-hmm. It's like, what what does it matter to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, here we go. Night night four. He did not define himself as gay, straight, or bisexual. The first time he even mentioned his sexuality was he referred to himself as a queer artist in 2001. Okay, yeah. I I guess I I became a bit more. You know, I knew that the hits. So in in 2001, I would have been. Uh, 13, 14. Mm. And that's around the time that I started getting to Radiohead a big time. They were my favorite band. And I know that Michael Stipe said about Radiohead, Radiohead is so good that it scares me. So I think that's when I started to become a bit more aware of kind of Michael Stipe and R.E.M. as, as bands. And maybe then, like for me, I feel like I've always known that he's queer, but maybe that's not the case. It's just in the time that I've been aware of them that he's he has been. But at my most beautiful, yes, mm. it's for the Sacrian and I just enjoyed the piano because I, I I listened to things for the melody and the piano and the cello, I adore in that song. And that's why I've always liked it. Yeah, I mean, fair, you, you are entitled to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, you know, it's it's not that I'm not a romantic. I mean, I'm not I'm not a kind of I'm not a big romantic, and mm. you know, I do like a good love song. But just at my most beautiful and strange currencies, it just it's not for me. It's it's not for my for my kind of more cynical vibe, okay. um, but from from the same year and I think the same album you've put the great beyond. 
Um, it was not from an album. Oh, sorry, that was from the greatest hits, right? No, it was from the film about the Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon, but but yeah, but the only REM album that it was included on was their greatest hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's one of their better songs. That was, that's my favorite song. So yeah. from the playlist that you, and actually it was a song that I, I knew but I'd forgotten about. Have you seen um, the film? I haven't seen the film. Is it good? Yeah, definitely. It's about Andy Andy Kaufman. He's like mm-hmm. the the bonkers comedian from the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, and the song mm-hmm. "Man," the song "Man on the Moon." Yes. About him. Obviously, I had no idea. Yes. All, like, that song out. annoyed me a lot. So, "Man on the Moon," <laughs> I really don't like. It's just, I, but I, to be honest, I think I, I partly don't like it because it was everywhere. I feel like it, that that song mm-hmm. was, was everywhere when it when it came out. Whereas the Great Beyond, um, yeah, I, I don't even remember when when I heard it. My dad has the REM greatest hits, so it could have been with him. And he he bloody loves night swimming and what's the frequency, Kenneth? My dad is is actually quite a pop person, and. Uh, he really appreciates melody over everything else and my mom was very into rock very into prog so as a family growing up there were a lot of fights about what to play on the radio um and everything and my mom passed away 14 years ago but my dad still has the scars of of fighting with her and fighting with me and there's still stuff that he absolutely refuses to let me pay 14 years on because he's just like no your mother put that on too much and i'm like come on dad like let me play this muse album track um so so yeah uh and he he loves abba he really 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 loves abba he's got i got him the the greatest hits but then he did point out to me that kurt cobain loved abba as well so you know he's got a point over underrated the rem are not a greatest hits fan and i think they are an album fan i think they have, like the Smiths, I think you cannot justify the Smiths from a, a festival. You have to listen to the albums. And I think R.E.M. are similar. And I think if you heard the albums as a whole, like mm-hmm. for, the, for the people, you may have a different impression of R.E.M. I think it's a tricky one because, I, you know, your playlist was a bit of a greatest hits for me, right? And it's, you know, deliberately a slightly more alternative one. What I enjoyed about it was the breadth that that it covered of genres that REM have done and it, it did actually make you know with um you know I loved listening to the great beyond again and actually the last song that you put on it the alligator aviator autopilot antimatter uh you know with peaches on backing vocals wonderful mm-hmm. that was the, the one of the few that I was like oh I actually do want to go and check out the album um so I, I think you know I, I totally get what you mean of you know some bands are better with the with the singles and it's enough to have the greatest hits but you know blur for example i got into blur through their greatest hits and i would argue that blur are also not technically a greatest hits band i, I don't know i just i i oh, you disagree I, I think blur if i think of my top 20 blur songs i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure most of those singles see i 13 for me was a revelation and mm. 13 is my favorite blur album and you do not get the vibe of 13 at all tender coffee and tv um, and lo- no distance left to run. Yeah. They're, they're the three songs that are on the greatest hits. Swamp Song isn't on there. Trim Trab isn't on there. Caramel isn't on there. And I love those songs so much. And but I I wouldn't I wouldn't have got to thirteen without first starting with um, with the greatest hits. So so yeah. And uh, we you know Depeche Mode is another one. You know they have the eighty one, eighty five, and eighty six, ninety eight. That's that's another band that I got in through the 
through the greatest hits, but yeah, you would argue also they're very much an album's band. I got into Depeche Mode through Depeche Mode 101. Oh, what's that? One of the, the one of the finest li- live albums of all time, Ooh. and every single track on 101 sounds better than the studio. So, interesting. That will be homework for me then. Uh, so I'm guessing that on this compilation, you must have really hated Near World Heaven. Uh, yes. But didn't, didn't oh, no, no, I, I put one of the more tolerable ones, but again, I just don't click. Do you notice that it has different vocals? Because that's the bassist, and Mike Mills is singing. Mike Mills, yeah. A lot of that, there you go. Which, do you know that, right, there's an air song called Mike Mills, and I, I wondered, is, are they talking about the R.E.M. bassist or the film director in that song? But I think be, for a long time, I thought it was about the, about the bassist, because I, I, I think I was aware of the bassist before I was aware of the film director. Well, I'm using Wikipedia, and it does not say. Sorry, guys. I'll mm. get back to you later on, and I'll pop it in. Mystery, mystery. Get in touch if you, uh, if you know if you know why. But anyway, yeah. Um, so, Near Wild Heaven, fine. But I'm Gonna DJ was also one of my favourites. And so I'm, I'm Gonna DJ and the inclusion of Alligator, Aviator, Autopilot, Antimatter, mouthful. They made me, you know, I, I want to ask you, Frank, should I go and listen to later REM if, yeah. if I like those songs? Is it more of the same? Basically, uh... basically, after Great Beyond, they had a, a comeback single which I should probably try and Google which I thought was REM by numbers, and it, it became like one of the, one of their last like hits. Is that Imitation of Life? Yeah, yeah. And I, to me, yeah. that's that's like REM trying to be REM just to try and get a pop hit. And I didn't really mm. like it. it. It seemed too forced. After that final hit, I think they basically said, "Right, we're we're massive. Let's just do anything we like." So the last two albums, but they also knew we were going to be the last two albums. And mm-hmm. they are really not commercial. Like they are, you know, just like them as a band, just going for it. So I think you would like the last two albums because they are. They do not sound like anything from the nineties at all. Yeah, I, I, I will go and listen to them and and come back to you on that because, uh, yeah, definitely, I'm gonna DJ was was one of. Like I actually put it was my favorite, but actually, on listening to it again, I think the Great Beyond is my favorite from the from the list that you gave. See, I think REM are the American America's answer to the Smiths in, in a way for me. America's answer to the Smiths. Oh, the Smiths. Well, you got yeah. the Michael Stipe, quite flamboyant, you know, iconic sort of like you know, and one of the front man. Um, they got a, an amazing guitar player who loves album name, loves the old like melodic guitar. They much like Johnny Marr. They're a four piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Swipe was very good lyricist, and you know, the being interesting to see is if they like, carried on into the 90s, would they have become the commercial band like REM did as well? You know, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of REM, I, I've seen them live a few times. These are they're amazing live bands. I would not say they're my all time favorite, like, I don't own every single REM album, but mm-hmm. I think that you would definitely enjoy. Proper indie album before they, I think that I think it's Warner Brothers. They signed in nineteen ninety nine. I think you'd definitely like their. Okay, stuff. well I will go and listen and come back to you on a future episode. I used to be very close minded when it came to music, mm. and I think I'm in my thirties. I am trying to be far more open minded on music and other things. And and yeah, I think you know, unlike Oasis, which which we talked about before, I really don't think my mind can be changed on that. But on REM, I kind of want my mind to be changed. I really, I really do want to like them, but it, it just doesn't quite click with me 
and I don't really know why. I don't think it is just puppiness. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's just too melodic. I don't know. But uh, what I enjoyed about the the latest tracks is yeah, how much more out there they were, and I I will go and listen to some and, of that. Yeah, you got to kind of give them kudos to quit when they did. I mean, yeah. they could make it easy being a band who toured every three years, done the greatest hits, they're bang for the money, see you later. And they haven't. They, they, they quit, what, 10 years ago? And they've done nothing. Over underrated. Sous évalué. Overrated. It's Babs here again. Thanks for listening to the first half. I'm really happy you've made it this far. Especially if you agree with me that R.E.M. are overrated, even if Michael Stipe seems like a really ace guy. I'm really excited and hopeful for the next part. I'm hoping that I can change some people's minds on the B-52s. If I can convince one uptight fuddy-duddy that they're geniuses, I'll be chuffed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part two, especially if your name is Modine. Underrated. That segues nicely into B-52s, yeah. because B-52s have been going since 1976. So last year I saw them live in, uh, in Brussels, where I live, doing their farewell European tour, and they were incredible. I, you know, I, I haven't gone to look at how old they are, but you know, if they've been going since 1976, you can imagine, and they still had energy, and they still got the crowd going, and they were an excellent live band. Um, and yeah, I think the reason why I wanted to pick them is because a lot of people who I've talked to, you know, they know Love Shack, they know Rock Lobster. And despite them being, I think, excellent songs on their own, because it's a kind of, it's a band with a sense of humor, people don't take them seriously enough, in my opinion. And I, I think they, they've done so many, so many interesting things, so many kind of, not, not exactly different genres, but tackling songs in lots of different ways. You know, the, the playlist that I gave you, you know, there's a song about ancient Iran and a dog called Quiche Lorraine and bathroom graffiti, you know, some are more punky, some are more new AV, some are more kind of 50s influenced. It's it's really diverse. And um, and yeah, I, I, I really love them and, and love to champion them. What is your opinion? What, well, what was your opinion of the B-52s coming in? What's your relationship with them? So I think that, like, so for example, I, in my head, in my young brain, Love Shack and Shiny Happy People were out on the radio in the same time. In my head, I, they're, 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 I think, looking back, they were a couple of years apart. I think, like, Love Shack's, like, mm-hmm. maybe 89 and Shiny Happy People's, like, 1991. But they had mm-hmm. both two songs that's on MTV at always the same time because I got, I got MTV in the early 90s and they were like songs that were always on there so I've always linked the two being quite similar and then the B-52s I never really at, went out of my way to, to hear them and the only time I'd hear B-52 song was in American movies because I think they're a lot bigger in America mm-hmm. than in the UK in the UK they were basically that one here and then in America you'd hear their songs on films and they go, oh, that sounds good. And then I'd find out that, you know, that's a B-52 song. And the songs that I remember hearing on, on a couple of films growing up was Rome. Yeah. And I think that's one of their, their classiest songs. And is that on the same album as Love Shack as well, isn't it? Oh, good question. <laughs> good question, Fran. And Let I also, check. am I right in saying that Niall Rogers might have produced that album? Niall Rogers produced six out of the ten songs on Cosmic Thing, which is the mm. album. Uh, that has Rome, that has Love Shack and Dry County, which I put on the on the playlist. 
but actually not that i picked i think three songs from from cosmic things uh bushfire love shack and dry county none of them were produced by Nile rogers they were produced by don was from the funk oh. band was not was which I, I don't know if you know them of course and in, in yeah. a bizarre way i was listening to a podcast that mentioned them this morning we, we all know um the song walk the, walk the dinosaur yeah yeah. Which sounds just like a certain Mark Watson song with uh, Bruno Mars. Yes. So when when I went to look this up, I, 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 I did know Walk the Dinosaur, but I had heard Out Come the Freaks, which is kind of another yeah. one of the of their songs. And uh, but yeah, I was gonna say, you know, like B52s are often kind of dismissed for for being, you know, just oh, just an unserious, humorous camp band. But Nile Rogers worked with them and David Byrne worked with them. So I don't know if you did any research into the Mesopotamia EP. No. Um, I know I know Niall's what I know Niall, um as a Duran Duran fan guys. Obviously mm, of course. There's a big link there's a big link to Nile and <laughs> so I've always thought about checking out that album. They're always a band like I've read about REM and their early era in Athens and how they were very much bands that, you know, would be friends and the Athens scene. So I've always known about they've been around since the, you know, the new wave era. But yeah, I don't know why, I don't know why I've never jumped into it. I think maybe because of their 50s and 60s nostalgia, it's, that, that has kind of put me off. It's like the kooky... Um, so you're not a John Waters fan? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. They are, yeah, like the, the B film, the B movie horror kookiness fred's voice is you know <laughs> so this is so i was i was talking you know i was telling a friend of mine that about the this episode record that we were going to do and uh there's like a running joke because i i keep trying to get him into the b52s and he's just like his voice his voice i can't say i bloody love it sprechgesang i think it's called the yeah the speak singing that he does yeah i think because cindy and kate's voices are so melodic and so strong um and and they do amazing harmonies i quite like him as the contrast every band needs to have their own individual voice and as soon as you hear him sing it's b52 and that yeah. for a band is gold dust you don't yeah. want to be a band who could sound like a thousand singers and but listening to your playlist he he works best when he works in tangent with the other singers when it's yeah. all him I struggle more, but I don't mind it when he's mixing up with the, with the other singers. I, I find him very funny. You know, uh, for me, music with a sense of humor is a plus. I, I know it puts a lot of people off and like a lot of people don't even like musical comedy. And, you know, this is music that's funny, not musical comedy. But I, I just, it just makes me laugh, you know, and I've, I've listened to so many of those songs a lot. I like Mesopotamia, for example. What Kate and Cindy are doing, like it's so difficult what they're doing, that their their harmonies are really and he's just going, There's a lot of ruins in Mesopotamia and it makes me laugh almost every every single time. But for me it's not an issue. But I think actually kind of in tangent with, with REM, a lot of people don't like Michael Stipe's voice because they say that it's that it's quite whiny. And yeah, I, I have to say I think maybe that's one of I, I'm not a huge fan of Michael Stipe's voice either. And a voice can definitely put a band off. Another classic example is placebo. But yeah, so but back to French. I actually, so recently, I think the last CD purchases I did kind of in an actual record shop, one of them was a, a French Neither Solo album, which I haven't listened to yet. I'm kind of, yeah, saving it for when I'm in the mood, but I will, I will listen and come back to you on that. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll hate it. <laughs> I, I went um, a bit um, rogue earlier and I listened to some other um, later B52 songs and they mm-hmm. I mean, yeah they've got some some B52 
decent tracks and like they always have a, um, a really decent guitar sound and I, I think that was the, yep. yeah, the founding member guy who, who, who passed away in the, the mid 80s yeah yeah Ricky Wilson so he's the brother of one of the vocalists Cindy Wilson he, he unfortunately died in 1985 I think of, of HIV AIDS yeah um, yeah no his his guitar sound is amazing um and yeah i you know one of the things with b52s as well is you know they're definitely known now as as a kind of queer band i think so i think cindy wilson is the only non-gay so the drummer said in 90 he said about them being kind of a queer band not until 1992 did someone ask us about being gay it was almost more subversive that we didn't talk about it we were just trying to be ourselves being gay was just a part of it that's really how we wanted the world to be you know you just do your thing and your sexual orientation is just a part of it i think it was kind of more revolutionary because of that people either related to us on that level or they didn't some people got it, some people didn't, but we certainly never tried to hide it at all. I mean, yeah, so, I, I mean, yeah. I, I never really, I mean, I, I never knew that, mo- that more of the bands were, were gay. I, I, I just thought they were part of that, you know, that, yeah, that, like I said, the, the John Waters kind of, you know, throwback kind of kooky yeah. scene. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I mean, I don't mind John Waters movies, but you have to be in, in that mood. And I think, yeah, you know, it's camp as well. And mm. of course, camp, campness is associated with gay culture, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, there are, there are camp people who aren't gay and, and vice versa. And it is, you know, a movement as much as it is kind of like, yeah, related hey, to I'm, I'm, camp, I'm camper for most people out there. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with a bit of camp, I'll tell you what. Yeah, absolutely nothing wrong with a bit of camp. But I really think their campness is one of the reasons they're a bit dismissed, mm. you know? And um, when I was reading a bit more about them, I, I really enjoyed, there was a, a Salon.com article which said that they were the most subversive band in, in the US, they, they may be the most subversive band in America, and I, you know, in a way they are, you know, they really, yeah, w- what they said was, no novelty, the B-52s may be the most subversive band America ever gave us. Campy, yes. Colourful, yes. Fun, very much so, but none of this should take away from their value as vanguards. And there's this great New York Times article called Before and After the B-52s, mm. where they profile a bunch of B-52 songs and kind of look at who their peers are at the same time, and you, and you really see the influence. I couldn't straight away think of a band who'd been influenced by the B-52s, but you, who would you say are then? Um, I, well, I would say it's stuff like even rockabilly, you know, as a genre hmm. uh, and stuff like that. And I would even say kind of, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now, you know, they've put kind of Nirvana and Sugar Cubes on a par with um, with Planet Claire by the B-52s, which is not, not where I would go immediately sort hmm. of thing. I mean, I can I, see this. I can see maybe the, the Scissor Sisters. Scissor Sisters, yeah. <laughs> Having the male, female vocals and, and the spookiness and, you know, the, and the throwbacks. Yeah, I can see them being influenced by the mm-hmm. especially visually i don't think they influence people necessarily only music wise but i think attitude wise you know i think like like uh like they said you know they were they were just being themselves and it really kind of allowed people to to be themselves and be be a bit ridiculous i i would think that they influenced a lot of kind of actually 80s bands and you know it was pre-neuromantics right which you know, it wasn't the same level of campy, but it was definitely kind of more feminine and kind of wearing makeup and, and stuff like that. They might they might not have done that, but they were definitely doing that beforehand. And I mean, it really surprised me when I looked it up that um, Rock Lobster is from 1979. You, I would have thought it was an 80s song. And I think it's that's so ahead of its time. Uh, mm. And from their debut album, the B-52s. Yeah, I, and, and, and Planet Claire as well. From the from the same album, like it's surprising that they they got signed really because I mean that sound in mm. you know, in, in Georgia was much and so out of touch with everyone. I just remember reading that they had such a big fan base that they kind of were 
this amount of people going to the gigs, then there must, mm-hmm. there must be something. Let's put an album out. But there's always been America has always had that that weirdo Devo a similar to B fifty twos in like yeah. and um, it's like that nerd rock that they, 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 there's a lot of bands in America who are like fight against the sort of like you know the, the motley crews by going the complete opposite way. And mm-hmm. I think in the late seventies there was quite a lot of bands, even the, the Cars who were kind of like embracing being geeks and embracing, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 that their weirdness. So there was a scene already sort of starting. Diva were also from the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, Athens, Georgia is not exactly, okay, you know, it's not Atlanta. It's, it's a small town. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, well, you've lived in the US, Fran. I've only visited, but what I love about the US is those kind of, those uh, yeah the kind of subculture town the college towns where they're, they're small but there's definitely an alternative atmosphere and i would love to visit athens georgia because i'm like there must be something you know well, yeah um, but I, I guess they have more freedom because they're not new york and they're not la so mm-hmm. they are they can just do what they, they want to do which is kind of like i guess why grunge came out of exactly Seattle and because yeah. because they, they have to create their own scene because no one's going to no one's going to visit they have to create their own culture and create you know these interesting no, it seems so yeah I, I guess it's, in some ways it's a blessing but then I guess you know looking looking around now with the whole you know internet is it going to be harder for different areas to have a scene so I was reading um I was reading there was an interview I don't know if you saw it between so Donald Glover interviewed Michaela Cole mm. um, and they were talking about TV but he was also talking about music and he was saying that he's like scenes now last no time because now you can just send stuff over the internet. Whereas before, like, you'd have to have a friend, you'd have to go and visit a friend in a town who would take you to a band and then, you know, very slowly. I'm, have you seen Searching for Sugar Man? Yeah, the, yeah. the film, for example, where it's like, yeah, one woman took an album to South Africa and that's how he became massive. Whereas now everything's there. And I mean, I think even my own relationship to music is, is changing a little bit because everything is so accessible now. You Something comes out, you listen to it straight away it's not there's not as much anticipation and and the waiting and the fact that you can only buy one album or two at a time and that's what you're stuck with i mean you i think you were saying in a previous conversation right that one album a month is good enough for you i i i kind of get that feeling and, that, and that's why i still enjoy buying cd you know i bought this fred schneider cd on a whim because i'm like well you know i i'd love to i love to support him and the b52s i b52s albums i only have the greatest hitch which is how how i got into them the the time capsule album it's it's a live album in um in Athens, Georgia, where they're from. It's called With the Wild Crowd, live in Athens, GA from 2011, which is really great. I haven't, I haven't bought any B-52s albums besides that. Have all, have all of the, of the singers done solo albums? I think, yeah, definitely Kate Pearson has mm. done it. Cindy Wilson, has she? That's a great question. Over underrated. Sous-évalué. Because they have, I've, I noticed that they did slow down massively, didn't they? After, after the nineties, like they barely released many albums at all, really. They, they, they didn't, but they did release Funplex. I didn't include any songs from Funplex on mm. the on the song, but it's it's not a bad album. I think the the songs that I included in the list for you, they mostly from either the Time Capsule album, Cosmic Thing, or the B Fifty Twos, the the debut album. Um, good, good stuff is yeah. Good stuff is from good stuff. Good stuff, um, yeah. but good stuff was on the, was on the greatest hits as well. That's how I discovered good, it. Good stuff, the album. Listening back, uh, is 
I like about I like about three or four songs already. Um, and you, you know, on about yeah, on about having a sense of humour. I think in one of the songs, doesn't like Kate say, "Hey, I'm a I'm a Scorpio," and from nine eighty one, and like the interesting. So no, I love having personality in songs, and you know, mm-hmm. they got tons of personality. And I I think my best way of getting into this band is by probably watching a video documentary and to mm-hmm. see their visuals. I think they're bands that you need to have the visuals with them for, for it to work. And I think. That's interesting. That's not how I got into them at all. Uh, I, I, got, I think it was my mum bought the greatest hits. We played it a lot. But I, see, I think I got into them because I was quite young. I think I would have been... When did the album come out? Uh, I feel like I wouldn't have even been a teenager when it came out. Let me check. So, BB... Uh, yeah, exactly. So, it, that greatest hits was released in 1998. I would have been 11. Um... And I don't, I, I feel like my mum would have bought it maybe in like 2000, 2001. So I was still, I was still young and, you know, on the, on the edge of becoming an insufferable indie kid, but not quite yet. Mm. So I was just like, oh, th- this is like a really fun band. Um, and I didn't, I just didn't take them very seriously. And that is actually how I got into them. Whereas, yeah, here I am now being like, no, but you should take them seriously. They are vanguards, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, they have a song called Quiche Lorraine about a dog called Quiche Lorraine. You know, who, who else is doing that? And, um, I mean, I enjoyed the song My Own Pipe Idaho, and I've, yeah. always, I've always known the film. I had no idea it was a B-52 song. And did you know that, yeah, he, the song doesn't appear in the film. He just took the inspiration from the, from the title hmm. uh, and, and asked if he could use it. And I, I read that they actually had never played a concert in Idaho until 2011. <laughs> uh, so, so there we go. I think it was just a, a phrase that they came up with. Maybe the thought, what's the most boring town we could, have, we could think of when I went to Idaho? But I, th- I think this was like in an interview with a local newspaper and they were like, no, like we kind of just picked Idaho out, you oh, know, really? randomly. No, we're not insulting people from Idaho. I guess it's like, you know, boring. <laughs> in Kazakhstan you know he, yeah, he yeah, had to yeah. pick somewhere Planet Claire I can see being an influential song I can't say I loved it I've uh, look, looking at it I think I will be more into the latter when I say later I mean like late 80s early 90s so Cosmic Thing I really like the song, songs of have from Good Stuff and Cosmic Thing that's my pop credentials I like the mix of the, her, the keyboard sound and the guitar in the early, mm. early 80s but I think like some of the of the of the courses are kind of like not really doing it for me. They're a bit all over the place. So yeah, so I think I may start from the latter and make my way back. Hooray! I'm I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I I am actually almost the opposite. I well not the opposite because I have this greatest hits that's mm. from from all over. I I really pick and choose. I, I think if I had to pick a favorite album, it would be Cosmic Thing. Uh, not not for Love Shack actually for for Bushfire and for Dry County I love it so because Dry County is I don't know it's it's much more country esque definitely like a driving song uh, you feel like di- driving down a dusty road as they sing in in Love Shack and Bushfire is great even though I I naively thought I was like oh yeah it must be about bushfires you know it's a hot part of the world but then I went on songmeanings.com and then they were talking about oral sex and I was like oh yeah I guess it could be <laughs> Didn't didn't realise that. But I mean, they, they're like a band who just like have a lot of fun, you know. Like they they seem so enthusiastic and like you can you can, you can hear their love for the music and themselves in, in, in the lyrics and everything about it. So yeah, I, no, I, I really enjoyed the song. Is that is that you, Modine? I have no idea what's about. It's me, Modine. <laughs> but, and, and the end, and the end part of that is the end chorus. 
amazing. And I, I yeah. listened to it three times in a row. So I mean, there's more like that's, that. Do you know, I almost put that song on the playlist and, and, and didn't. That was that's also on Time Capsule, and and it's a very catchy one. But yeah, in the end, single. I. Uh, I think it was. I think it was a single, but uh, don't quote me on that until you check it out. But I actually substituted it for six oh six oh eight four two because I I wanted to put that one in because a little bit like Radio Free Europe of RM, I don't think you would have necessarily thought that was very B fifty two because it's a bit more it's a bit wonky but it's a bit more punky you know it's a bit more rocky so I put that in instead of is that you Modine because I guess you know I, there was Planet Claire there was Good Stuff which was on a kind of similar vibe. But I guess the passing away of the original member, maybe we'll see the principal songwriter as well. I think different. so. Yeah. That's probably why maybe they did the later 80s stuff is quite different to the early 80s stuff. But I mean, it just happens, doesn't it? Like, uh, mm. your, your sound evolves. And I mean, really what's impressive with B-52s is not only have they been going since 1976, it's still the original lineup, you know, minus Ricky Wilson, who passed away, but it's still, yeah, Kate, Cindy, Fred and Keith probably won't ever get to see them live because you know they 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 did that final european tour a lot of bands have done the final tour i think bowl, bowling with soup has have done what every three years for the past 10 years <laughs> that, <laughs> that's that, that's a, from b52s to bowling for soup yeah very uh, di- very different <laughs> bands different vibes yeah they probably will do more concerts in the us but they called it whammy farewell european tour so i'm thinking you know they they probably won't tour in in Europe anymore. Uh, but maybe if you hop on a plane to Athens, I wonder today. what size venues they do in Europe. Uh, when you saw them, was it uh, how many? So yeah, I, I saw them at Ancienne Belgique, which is I would say a mid sized venue in in Brussels. How many people would we have been? I would guess around five hundred. Um, okay, so not. It I... wasn't um, uh, Forêt Nationale or Paladus, which are the the kind of the really big you know, st- more, or, or the stadium, which are, which are the bigger ones. So, so they're, not, they're, not, they're not making millions and millions by doing a tour then, basically. That is a good question. For me, it always goes back to, with B-52s, most people only know Love Shack at a Push Rock Lobster, right? So if, if that's all you know of a band, you know, you have to really like those songs or, you know, be a bit more of a music nerd or be more into kind of, yeah, that kind of humour and pop to to get into them the the crowd was quite mixed actually so it wasn't it wasn't all older people like i've i when i went to see new order at the same venue i was really one of the youngest which actually surprised me a bit given how how big a band they are um but yeah it was a, it was a real mix even though it was actually the older people were going for it way more than the younger people which was quite funny to see so i i guess they would play more mid-sized venues but on on spotify actually because you were saying that you think they're they're bigger in the in the u.s mm. the the cities that where they're the most popular is actually sydney then brisbane then london mexico city melbourne so australia randomly i just looked at the ages i think there's a nine-year asymmetry between cindy and kate I did not know that. 80s, 1948. She's in her 70s. Wow. And Cindy's 1957. Fred's 51. The drummer's uh, 53. So Kate Honestly. Is, yeah, Kate's like in, a, in, a, in her 70s now. Then I'm even more impressed uh, because they, you know, they're obviously older, but they, they, were, they were all dressed up and they were all kind of moving and, and dancing and shaking. It was really impressive because I was like, you know, they're definitely like an, an older band. How's it going to be? And, you know, they have such energetic music. But yeah, if you if you have if they play again, you know, I would I I would really recommend it. And actually, even if not, I would. Uh, did you listen to any of? Because quite a few of their live albums are on 
Um, I've not heard them live. No, I listened, I listened to your playlist a minute, and then I went, I went rogue and listened to, to another playlist. As Good. Well. I, I'm, I'm like that. You went rogue. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I haven't yet gone rogue with <laughs> with the music that you've listened to, but I have hope that. I'm, you're going to convince me that an overrated or underrated band is really worth listening to uh, one day, Frank. Well, I guess the idea of underrated is to um, make someone want to listen to more. Exactly. It? With an overrated, you probably have an opinion already. It's hard to change. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think it's okay for us to do an overrated, even if we both like the band, uh, but maybe discuss, you know, why they've become so popular uh, mm. as opposed to not. And I think with with REM. They really, they really evolved with the times, right? Like um, they were post-punk when it was post-punk. Then they went kind of more, more commercial. And yeah, despite B52s also kind of doing lots of very interesting things. And you, like I said, Funplex, it's not their best album, but it, it is an interesting album. They do, do go and listen to it. They, they, they definitely went with the times. And and yeah, to me, that to me, the timeless. I think it, it, even even if you don't like the music, if you have a sense of humor, they're good fun. I, I, yeah, I think I will definitely be checking out more of being 52. I will have a YouTube rabbit hole um, later on and uh, see what happens. No? I actually haven't seen a lot of B-52's videos either. Um, I think the, the only one I've seen is Love Shack. Well, the only one I'd seen was Love Shack. And then I started realising that, yeah, RuPaul is in a lot of their videos and, uh, and they're, they're quite fun. And yeah, you were saying that you got into them because of the visuals. I mean, I guess I, I didn't, I didn't, but maybe it will be enhanced by, by checking out the videos with the songs. Yeah, yeah, because um, Devo, they're definitely a band you need to watch the videos with because they made that in videos. That was part of the whole aesthetic, was they did everything. Like, it mm-hmm. was, Devo was everything. <laughs> they were one of the most DIY bands of that era, you know. Maybe we can talk about Devo, because I think I was Devo say, are because... an underrated band, my friend. And- I don't know very much Devo. I bought, yeah, well, my mum had, are we, question, are we not men? Answer, yeah, we are Devo. Yeah. I, sh- I didn't really get into it. Like, it's one of those where she would play it and I would, you know, be like, oh, okay. But I never, it never, I, again, never clicked completely with it. Mm. And I know they're from Ohio, Cleveland, mm-hmm. Ohio. Uh, and I, I, where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, right? I think, I, th- I think so. Right? I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, you should yeah for a quiz question I think that's that's one to check out I think they're one of those bands where it's like I would definitely enjoy hearing about them as a band as much as discovering their music so yeah maybe mm. we should do a future episode Devo from 1976 to 1983 were really interesting and then they but yeah they, they were only good for maybe they were really good for six years and then they kind of became a bit like into I think I think they got caught up with like um, the keyboards happening in, in the 80s and they always wanted to buy the, the newest technology and by buying all the technology and trying to be all like, wow, look at this, look, look, look what we can do. They then completely lost their sort of punk interestingness. So by 1983, they became a bit stale because you know, they weren't putting guitars into their music. They were just using too many drum machines and using too many effects. And yes, you've got a sampler, but you don't have to use every single button on it just because you can. Right? And, like, and the videos are like, well, look, Look, we've got green screen. Look what we can do, guys. It's like, yeah, we don't have to use green screen. And I think, that, it, I think that's a lot of that that's happened to, you know? Like, uh, you know, Radiohead, New Order, they, you know, a guitar band that then embraced the electronics and and gained some fans and lost some fans uh, along the way well, as well. I think well, you, so. can, uh, you can ride, like, New Order, for example, they never went 
full electro electro like they always have guitars and bass on their on their records. The bass, yeah, in the some, bass in, in some yeah. way. Like, like they never went like the push money. Like New Order would always have a guitar on it. But yeah, but but by like nineteen eighty four, you could even you, you literally did, could not hear any you know organic um, um, instruments from Devo at all, and it kind of made their their music a bit a bit plastic, unfortunately. So yeah, I'm I'm delighted that. Uh, the playlist inspired you to go and explore more B-52s and I need to go away and listen to some late R.E.M. to see if that will really shift my mind. Yes, I think for you, the, the last two and the first two, R.E.M. Okay. Will inspire you and just, the, you know... You, the bookends of R.E.M. is yeah, what go, I need go to Go to bookends to. and then, you know, and then maybe one day you can force yourself to listen to Automatic for the People. It's one of the best albums ever written. <laughs> Yeah, you've told me before. I um, yeah, I I want I want to I want to believe, Fran. I want to believe, but at the moment I'm I'm on the fence. So let's see. It's fine. Well, so you're still saying that overrated, and I'm that's fine. Next next time maybe I can change your mind. And uh, yeah, and I will uh, definitely say that the B52s should not be underrated. There that's all I wanted from this. <laughs> Over underrated. Sopra sottovalutato. Suze Valley. Over underrated. Suze Valley. You made it to the end of episode two. We're super grateful you got this far. It's been quite a teething process, these first few episodes, as we're total podcast recording newbies getting the hang of things. But believe me when I say we get better. We have nice new mics, better techniques. Stick with us. And we really want to hear from you. So if you want to email us, you can get in touch on overunderratedmusicpod at gmail.com, or one word. It's overunderratedmusicpod on Instagram, but the character limit means that it's only OUMusicpod on Twitter. All the stuff we talked about in this episode, articles, videos, etc., will be in the show notes. So thanks again for listening, and see you next time. Mm-hmm.